Welcome to the Risk and Repeat podcast, episode number 37. I'm Rob Wright, editor of Search Security, and I'm here as usual with my site editor, Peter Lotion. Hi, Rob. What's happening, Peter? Oh, it's Monday. <laughs> it is Monday. <laughs> That's right. Normally, we record late in the week. We, uh, we got a reprieve last week. We are recording today on Monday, Monday, the 23rd of January, and we've got a lot of, we've got a lot of Microsoft news a lot of developments to discuss. I, I don't think any one sort of development or issue is that huge, but I think taken together, it's it's uh, it paints an interesting picture of what's going on with Microsoft and sort of uh, the progress that they've made with security and the stumbles that they've made with security and just maybe a little bit of disconnect, which we'll get into in a little bit, but I guess we'll start with the first news item from last week regarding Microsoft and Windows. So this was this was interesting. Peter, do you remember when the shadow brokers claimed to have uh, more vulnerabilities and exploits regarding I, the equation group cyber weapons? I do. And do you remember that they said, oh, we've got a bunch that affect Windows? I do. And at the time, we kind of sat back and we said, well, it's the shadow brokers, you know, put up or shut up. We don't know if any of this is true or not. Well, one of the supposed exploits or cyber weapons that the shadow brokers claim to have was a, a vulnerability or a exploit that affects Windows SMB version one, Windows uh, server message block, uh, which Peter, I don't know if you wanna maybe take a moment to explain what that is. It is not Windows small and medium business. No, it is not. <laughs> Which I've seen some people on Twitter kind of reacting that way. Well, if you remember uh, Novell Netware. I do. You do? I okay. do. I, I've been in, in this business <laughs> long enough to remember <laughs> Novell, wow. Okay. I mean, All they're right. still around, but yeah, yeah. Right, well, so their business was uh, sharing network resources. Mm -hmm. And um, Microsoft, of course, I mean, Novell worked with Microsoft, yes. or the software worked on Microsoft systems. But Microsoft, at the time, was looking for their own networking protocols. Yep. So they came up with uh, system me server message block? Server's me server server message, message block. Right, and that came out, if I'm not mistaken, in 3.1? It might have. It's, it's old. It is so old. That's the yeah. one thing I didn't look up. It's been around a while. I want to say that I did look it up last week. Um, and it may be in the story. It's probably in the story. If not, but if you remember Windows 95, you also remember SMB because yep. cause that's what, what ran the networking, the, the, the file, uh, file server and printer sharing networking, um, which is what Novell Netware did. So... Windows SMB did, did the same thing, more or less. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that was 20-some, 25, 20... Uh, it's a, a long time ago. Yeah. And um, SMB version 1 was... Uh, when did that get replaced or upgraded? Wow. 10 years ago? More? Uh, sure. That sounds longer. Right. I, I feel like it was longer. Um, but... But it's been a while. It's, right. It's been a while. Right. So if you're still running Windows 3.1 or Windows 95 or 98, 
Or XP. Or XP. Which or a lot N- of people still are. Or NT. Or NT. Oh. Or no, one's, no one's running NT anymore. Right. Okay. Well, I take that back. Well, let's, let's, let me put it in a different way. Uh, do you think anybody's still driving Model T? There, I mean, there are Model T cars. That's true. That's true. That are still around. And there probably are some people who drive them because they're collectors and they have these great cars and they want to show them off. At the same time, they're not probably not commuting to work in a Model T. Yep. Um, Model Ts are what, like from 100 years ago, more or less? Yeah. yeah. So that, you know, a, a 30-year-old operating system is probably comparable to yep. driving a 100-year-old car. Um, so it's time to upgrade is the bottom line. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and you were right, or, or I was right. It was about You're 10 right. years ago yeah. when they introduced SMB uh, version 2 with, I believe, Windows Vista. Uh, and, and later Vista. for uh, Windows 7 and so on and so forth. But yeah, so it's it's there have been other versions besides version 1 for about the last, well, now 11 years. I guess it's 2017 still. But it's, yeah, it's old. It's been out there a long time. So, yeah, time to upgrade. Yeah. And so I guess there was a a U.S. cert, not I guess, there was a U.S. cert warning that basically said in response to public reporting of a potential server message block SMB vulnerability, U.S. cert is providing known best practices related to SMB. And public reporting, they mean... All the coverage of the shadow brokers saying we've got an SMB, a Windows SMB exploit. You know, um, hide your wife, hide your kids, hide your uh, PCs, and all that. Now, this is where it gets kind of interesting. So, US are recommended that the users and administrators, enterprise, you know, admins, whoever, disable SMB version one and even block all versions of SMB at the network boundary by blocking TCP port uh, 445 with related protocols on UDP ports 137 through 138 and TCP port 139 for all all boundary devices. That's all great, that's all great. Oh, okay, but why is SMB V1 like still, so they've been deprecating, this is something I didn't really realize until reading the coverage, the story that Mike did, Michael Heller, senior reporter at Search Security. We, we definitely got to get on the podcast. I know he's maybe he's listening to this right now and going, oh, man, I don't want to do it. Well, he's not listening right now. He's not listening right now. He's, when I say right now, I mean in he, the future. Like in the future, he's listening to this once it goes live and saying, oh, good grief. Anyway, <laughs> uh, that they've been trying. Microsoft has, has said, you know, oh, we're going to deprecate this, or it is deprecated. We're moving away from it. We're looking at you know, we haven't gotten to complete removal yet. And apparently, there's a fa- according to all the experts in Mike's story and other places that, that have sort of weighed in on this, there's still a fair amount of SMB V1 out there. And like there's a, a, a great quote from a gentleman from Tenable Network Security that Mike interviewed for the story, John Cheerhart, Federal Technical Director at Tenable, said, surprisingly, there is still a fair amount of SMB v1 enabled on networks, especially in legacy systems that have yet to be modernized or replaced. Um, government? 
<laughs> education, probably. Education. Um, but small then, and medium business. Yeah. Not to conflate homes. SMB and SMB. Yeah, homes. home users. Home yeah. use. Yeah. So, well, the the thing, you know, I don't. We, you mentioned it. I I don't. I I think that one of the important takeaways here is you want to block SMB of yes. any version at your at your internet access point. You don't want well to, Microsoft says don't do that. Right. You you want to you want to block. Yeah. Right. That's which is what um, part, w uh, the best practice suggestion. Yeah, US cert says that. Right. So you you do not want to have and this is this is not news either. This is like you know back in back in the olden days. Sure. About thirty minutes after SMB V one probably came out, people were suggesting that you not allow internet access inbound or outbound, but inbound especially because, because in other the same as you wouldn't do that with a Novell Netware network or a um, a, a Unix based, and I and I'm blanking on the on the comparable term, but the yes. file the LPR or the mm -hmm. you know any of the the file server sharing device sharing. Networks. You want to keep that all in house because it's no. It, it's you, you're not. You're yeah. not going to be doing a good job if you of security if you allow people to get into your file and printer sharing s networks. That would be bad. And your internal network. Yeah, it would be. Well, and think so, of all we're running into lately mm -hmm. with with peripheral devices and IoT devices and just sort of all of these things that have become overexposed to the internet and how easy we've made for people. The intended user to take advantage of these things with all these protocols and you know uh, accessibility features and now now we're sitting back and saying oh well, these are overexposed and now we've got to close close them up and reduce functionality and I don't know that that's gonna happen but definitely comes at a relevant time the, the interesting thing about this is that I mean there's many interesting elements and I say everything is interesting because it's a crutch word for me but I'm fascinated by the fact that that SMB v1 is even enabled by default on certain operating systems still to this point. So Microsoft has said there was a blog post that I found on TechNet uh, last year. No, I take that back almost two years ago, 2015, where, you know, this the, the, the blogger says, oh, we get this question. When will S a lot? When will SMB one be completely removed from Windows? And they're saying, "Hey, we're, we're we've deprecated, but we haven't completely gotten rid of it. And here's why. And here's all the versions that you know it still could be, you know, in if you haven't disabled it, or it could be enabled by default. Windows Server two thousand eight, Windows Vista, Windows seven, Windows Server two thousand twelve, Windows eight, Windows eight point one, and all the later ones." They all support SMB2 and SMB3, which is, which is well, some of the more recent ones like 8.1 and Windows 8 uh, support SMB3, but they still support SMB1. So unless you go in and disable it, or unless you check to see if it's been enabled by default and you don't even know it, that's really bad. That's yeah. really bad. Well, this has been around since the 90s, and you can't do something to, you know, completely remove it and and get rid of something that's that outdated? Okay, so this this is a pet peeve of mine. Yes. Backward compatibility. 
Backward compatibility is very important when you have a billion users and they're all using version one. That's great. And point. you're upgrading to version two, and the and your and your user population is going to grow by, I don't know, five percent a year. Mm. Let's say. That then it makes a certain amount of sense if you can do it securely. Right. If you can if you can argue that that that's a secure use of that protocol. Um, if you have a large user base and you're not adding a lot to it because you have a lot of people, they've already got their software installed. Why make them, why force them to upgrade if they don't have to? Right. Backward compatibility, when you have exponential growth over a period of five or 10 or 20 years, yeah. in order to um, allow the people who put printer servers on a Windows 3.1 box that's uh, got one of those big blocky monitors, a monochrome monitor, of yes. course, on a, on a Windows, uh, on a PC uh, and an XT from IBM oh. with two floppy drives because it's backward compatible, yep. that's not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be in favor of that, especially when you're going from, say, 5 million users who are using your technology over the course of 15 or 20 years to a billion or two billion or three billion users. So right. you're you're catering to this very small subset of people. I mean, yeah, we can talk about who's using these old things, but the fact is, it's not it's not like cars. It's not you know Windows three point one is. Not, I don't know if it's collectible. I mean, there might be collectors who want to buy a, a Windows X, you know a, a PC XT with two floppy drives. Or oh, I, I saved my Windows ME version, my my <laughs> gateway PC. That's okay, a joke. all right, it is a joke. I mean, but it is a joke, literally. <laughs> but the, right, so the, the so backwards compatibility and and that we keep we keep talking about it because yeah. it's happening. All the all the uh, crypto um, systems that rely on being able to ratchet back to old versions because what happens if somebody with a Netscape four point zero browser from nineteen ninety eight tries to to go into our right. browser? You know, what happens when a browser hits a, a, a IIS 2.1 server somewhere? Um, well, ideally, especially as more and more of those users and, and systems are, are swamped, are overwhelmed by the volume of more modern systems, you want to base, you do really want to prod those people to say, to let them know that it's time yeah. to do something about it. Well, th and this is, let me ask you, as a networking guy, and you're familiar with a lot of this stuff, I mean, in that, that blog post, the Techner uh, blog post that I referenced mm -hmm. uh, a minute ago, you know, they said, oh, hey, uh, SMB1, we've, um, we've removed it from Windows Server 2012, you know, R2 and Windows 8.1. Uh, it's not really what they did, though. What they did was they said, we made SMB1 an optional component that can be completely removed. So you didn't remove it. You're still, so I guess this gets into the question, which I'm always fascinated by, like who's ultimately responsible for the remo removal of this? You don't need it anymore. Who's, who, why would somebody need SMB1? It, easy answer. Uh, I'm a big corporation that's cheap and not very smart about the way I do yeah, legacy apps or legacy apps no. totally legacy apps are, are are a plague on all of us but how do you get rid of it is by taking it out of the operating system and upgrading the operating system so that everybody is on 
a more modern operating right. system. So that's just that that's one way to do it. Yeah. It's just weird because on one hand, I, I do think there's an argument to be made. Like you said, Microsoft wants to make things usable and, and wants to keep ease of use at at a respectable level so that you know when when as the march of, of progress continues with technology you can still use some of the older systems and mm -hmm. features and software and, and so on and so forth but we're talking about something that from the 90s now I mean that's outdated and to not have I mean obviously this is hindsight because we didn't know about uh, a major vulnerability tied to a you know the shadow brokers until recently but it just it doesn't seem like there's a good excuse for having something like this still in modern operating systems especially when you've already introduced later versions that are better speaking of outdated stuff peter yeah turn to our next item for microsoft and windows uh you wrote about this there was an interesting i i guess contrast about windows security this week but there's two so the timing on this is just awesome. So there's two separate blog posts, um, or mi Microsoft posts, about one about Windows 7 and one about Windows 10. And one about Windows 10 is about how great it is with security, and we're gonna get to that in a second because it's definitely worth getting into. The one about Windows 7 was uh, from Microsoft Germany that basically, I, I, I mean, took the, took the whipping stick to Windows 7. And I mean, not in a gentle way either. This was, this basically, this it was sort of a, used as a vehicle to promote Windows 10 security enhancements. But, you know, along the way said, uh, if you continue to use Windows 7, I'm paraphrasing, it, ca it you know, it can carry, quote unquote, enormous dangers uh, because of, quote unquote, long outdated security architecture, uh, architectures. My immediate thought was, you know, something like SMB v1, which you're still putting in software, like that, that, that is used today. You still feature support for it. But in any event, the blog post was, uh, was particularly brutal and frank, I thought. You wrote the story. What did you think of it? I, I think it's, I think it's a, a good move. I mean, it, it was sort of out of left field for us because it came on a, on a Microsoft Germany blog post written in German, and we, you know, somebody in Europe picked it up and wrote a little piece on it, and we noticed that and started and, and dug a little bit as well. Um, the thing is, Microsoft Windows 7 is on extended support at this point. In other yes. words, it, this is... And it's I, nine and, years and old, or not nine years old. Is it nine? Eight years? Seven, seven maybe? It's 2009 it was introduced. So, so it's seven or eight years yeah, old. Yeah, seven years. Um, they, the blog post in Germany came out, if I'm not mistaken, on the day three years before Windows 7 goes end of life. Yes. So, so we're, you know. The, 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 blo the blog post. The TechNet post was titled Windows 7 Support Ends in Three Years. Right. It's a call to action. It is. And yeah. and having used Windows 7 and used Windows 10, I prefer Windows 10. I know. I I think that their argument that it's more secure, that they've got a better security architecture, well, 
Yeah, I mean, they did SMV1 one back in, you know, Windows 3, whatever, or, you know, 95. Windows SMV1 is not in Windows 10, at least. Pretty sure it's yeah, not. Yeah, pretty sure it's not. It's not on the <laughs> list, so we'll, we'll go with that. We haven't looked in the code, so. Right, but but the, the, the point is that it's a great call to action because it says, hey, we want to remind you that three years from now, we're not doing this anymore. We're tired of doing this Windows 7 support or in in secure Windows support. They yeah. want to move everybody up onto the to the Windows 10 platform. I don't mind that so much if they give me a better experience, if they right. give me a more secure experience, if they give me a, you know improved anything, I'm happy to do it, especially since I did it and I'm happy. And it didn't cost me anything. I did it unwillingly. They tricked me into it. I know I've talked about this before, but yeah. I did not want to upgrade. I like Windows 7. But, you know, at first when I read this, I, I thought to myself, wow, that seems kind of self-defeating because a large chunk of users, enterprises, still use Windows 7. And to go out there and say, you know, Windows 7, quote, was developed for the wireless world of the late 2000s and late 2000s and you know, carries all this risk. But, you know, looking at it, I mean, yes, a lot has changed since 2009. And I mean, you just look at the, at the component of SMB V1, Windows 7 has it. Right. And you don't know if it's enabled or not. I mean, I don't actually, I'm not sure if you have service pack too, I don't think it is enabled by default. But obviously, I need to check that. But yeah, I mean, you think about how much has changed with just the way, just the, the amount of attention that we put on security today as opposed to 2009. It's a lot. You think about everything that's changed with encryption, with wireless protocols, network protocols. Like, I I do think there's a fair point to that. I thought it was a little harsh and odd for a blog post to come in like that and, and bash its, you know, flagship. Or, or not flagship because it's Windows 10 now is the is the is the new version. But that's Windows 7 has such a huge install base. Probably still has the biggest install base, right? I want to say that it's 40 percent, 42 percent, something like that. And so, Windows 10 being about 25 percent. Yeah, 25, point. right? So, a couple of things: the fact that they're that they're not they didn't make a bit they didn't do this as a big corporate message. No. They just they put it into their stream of, of information that they put out. I have a feeling that over the next two or three years, we're going to see more and more of, of Microsoft trying to argue that it's time to upgrade. Yeah, And I'm fine with that because if it gives us a more secure world, that'll be good. And it also means less disruption because if we take Microsoft at their word and accept that they're telling us what they're actually going to do, yeah. Microsoft, Windows 10 is was you know one of the one of the phrases was the last windows you know this is the last version of windows mm -hmm. i know you're shaking your you're, yeah. you're shaking your head as am i uh -huh. the whole thing but i think microsoft is is looking at ways that they're going to weigh the the you know number one we're they're moving to subscription model for the selling software so that you know i can if i have an up to date every day up-to-date and secure operating system on my desktop, I'm willing to pay the whatever it is that they're going to wind up charging us yeah, for it. Yeah. Um, that's fine. And I don't want to have to go through the pain and misery of upgrading Windows ever again. That would be great. I would be happy with that. 
Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so for all those reasons, and this is a great way to introduce the second half yes. of the story, which yes. is that um, Microsoft. Now you got to you have to remind me who was it that uh, that that announced this, but. The TechNet post TechNet, about right. um, MMPC, the Microsoft. Yep, uh, yep. Uh, the hardening, uh, uh, security hardening for Windows 10 against um, zero-day exploits. Right. So what they did Which is, is great. And, and it ties back to the first story, too, about yes. shadow brokers. Yes. Because shadow brokers in, I want to say, November, December. Yeah, it's a couple it was, months ago. Right. When the they said, Microsoft. We're coming for you, Windows. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but. But but there was there was an actual exploit. There was yes. And Microsoft argued, well, this exploit was fixed and it's not a problem. And uh, Google said, no, this is a problem. You should it's fix still it. Still a problem, yeah. Well, okay. So so fast forward a little bit to to more recently. Um, these folks at the Microsoft MMPC group um, did some testing. They took the anniversary edition that was shipped in the summertime. They took it and exposed it. They they didn't upgrade it any further. They just took that anniversary update edition. So they didn't have the um, the signatures for the for any of the any exploits exactly. beyond that. Yep. They just said, okay, let's see what happens when we expose anniversary update unpatched to two vulnerabilities, to two exploits. One of them was one of the shadow brokers exploits yep. that, that was going around. And or was the one that Google called them out on, and that Microsoft yep. said, "Well, we don't have to worry about this because it, it goes with the Adobe patch." It was a flash exploit. That's the flash right. exploit, and also it's just not gonna. It's not a problem for us. Mm -hmm. And they took that and they ran it and they tested it and they found, amazingly enough, Windows 10 unpatched was able to defeat that those two exploits. Which is which awesome. Are, it is awesome. That's part of the reason. Good for them. Another part of the reason why I'm. I'm I'm very uh, uh, supportive of, of Microsoft's Windows 10 at this point because that's a good thing. If you can make your operating system natively resistant to things that have not been seen yet, that's a very good thing. It's a, it's a, it is a huge improvement. And again, it just shows you how, so, how, how far the company and sort of security in general have come, you know, sort of, 2009, circa 2009. I will say this though, uh, as, as glad as I was to see that, I wanna remind everyone that the anniversary update caused some issues with uh, antivirus products, which, okay, we can all rip on antivirus products, but we've, we've talked about this in a previous episode and written about it. But the anniversary update, according to you know, Intel security, or I guess Intel security at the time, now McAfee's on its own, uh, Kaspersky, the the Windows anniversary update, Windows 10 anniversary update was not, didn't have the proper sort of compatibility checks before it went live for antivirus programs. And as a result, when it went live, it caused major crashes and issues and, and sort of headaches with, uh, you know, popular programs like McAfee's or Kaspersky's and I, I think a couple other uh, other major antivirus offerings. And it just, that seemed odd to me at the time. And it, it you know, I don't want to harp on it too much, but I do just want to remind 
you know, the listeners, the audience, you, Peter, that as good as the improvements for Windows 10 are, uh, I think that they've, you know, the, the Microsoft, Microsoft is still very much capable of making the occasional uh, blunder. Well, just, I, I can't, I can't listen, hear that without thinking back to 1995 or so when <clears throat> 94, 95, early 90s, Windows was just starting to hit. And right, people yeah. were using it. The thing about Windows back then, and Windows 3.1, it didn't come with TCP IP networking right, stack. Right, that's right. It didn't come, it didn't, it, it didn't come, there were a lot of things it didn't come with. And there were a lot of other options so that when you bought a computer, you not only had to buy Windows, you had to buy, a, a, if you wanted to go on the internet, you needed a TCP IP stack. If you yeah. wanted to do uh, antivirus, you needed an antivirus program. Uh, you could buy file managers. You could buy word processors. I mean, Xyrite, WordStar, WordPro. All the words. MicroWord. Yeah. yeah, there's like all these word processing com uh, programs and all these spreadsheet programs and all these every kind of program. And the thing that Microsoft was doing back then and called out often on was they were basically destroying business uh, in little small software industries. Yeah. So if you were, you know, Visio, they needed for graph for for making gra network graphs graphics. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was one that I used, and I remember when when Microsoft bought that out in like the later '90s, I think. Yeah. Um, but what was that? Uh, all the all the uh, browser stuff and the and the internet stuff, internet servers and yeah. inter and 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 editors for doing HTML. Yeah. All those there were all those things, and what happened? What what would happen was Microsoft would roll out their TCP/IP stack with, I want to say Windows ninety five it included TCP IP. Maybe. I may be wrong, uh, but I but I, I want to say. We'll add a note in the, the next episode. Right, yeah. No, I, I know that you could run TCP IP on Windows 3.1, but I don't recall. I think the first Microsoft stack was rolled out in, nine, in Windows 95. Mm -hmm. um, so f going from a time in, say, 1994, when there were half a dozen or, or a dozen even companies selling th their own, some form of TCP IP stack, to 90, let's say by 2000, I don't think there were any other or certainly not many companies selling yeah, these yeah, PIP yeah. stacks. So the same, you know, we we talk about what's uh, about antivirus software all the time. Is antivirus a function of the operating system, or is it a function that you need to go out and find somebody good and then have to deal with that? And yeah. as a consumer, I want to just buy an operating system and be able to do whatever I want with it. And if I want to buy... Word, I can buy Word, and if I don't want to, I also want to have that option. But ultimately, for these operating systems kinds of things, I don't want to have to. Yeah. Who wants to deal with that? So it could be Microsoft going back to their roots of, of uh, buying or destroying smaller software vendors, or it could just be the, 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 the arc of history that we're going along, which is to tend to consolidate these things yeah, and reward yeah. the, the best, hopefully the best companies that are doing it to have them stand out and be the, the primary choice. But yeah, it, it's all good news when we, when we can say that something is, is working the way it's supposed to and being more secure than people expected it to be. So I'm happy about it. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, the SMB v1 aside, 
obviously there's valuable lessons there about having it stick around and not be completely removed. But all things considered, I think things have improved for Microsoft. It's just, you know, there is the occasional uh, blunder or occasional odd blog post. But I won't harp on that too much. Windows 7 is gone for me. I'm on Windows 10, so I won't, I won't lament it too much. But there you have it. Um, so, Peter? Oh, and yes. just a, a teaser for what's coming next. Oh, yeah. Uh, we spotted, we don't have any details yet, but apparently there's blue screen to death that dates back to 95. That's... That was just, and is in every version of Windows since That's strange. Then. Yeah. It's that's interesting too, though. Yeah. Gotta say, we gotta we better wrap up before yes, it before strikes <laughs> the computer and the audio cuts out, right? Correct. Well, we're on a Mac, actually. I forgot we're recording on a Mac. <laughs> Should I say that? Ah, well, I already said it. No big deal. Uh, <laughs> well, Peter, uh, thank you for joining me as usual. This was a, a fact and fun-filled conversation about uh, Microsoft Windows security. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, thanks to the listeners for checking us out. I'm Rob Wright with Search Security. Thanks for listening to this episode of Risk and Repeat, and we'll see you next time.